0: Hello, Connected Parents, and welcome back to another episode of Connected Parenting. So this week, I want to talk about um, being the parent of that child. So when you have a child that is behavioral or difficult or misunderstood, and we talk a lot about the child, but I really want to dedicate this episode to the parent. When you are a parent of a child who is sort of seen that way by others, particularly other parents. It can be devastating. It can be really hard. So this episode is really to support you and how to help you sort of bear that difficulty of everyone looking at your child that way and knowing deep down they're just a kid and they're having trouble and they're in pain and it's heartbreaking when other people don't see your child the way that you see them. Hi everyone, I'm Jennifer Colary. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week and we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime, to sibling issues, to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. So what does it mean to be the parent of that child? So this is, you know, typically a gladiator kind of kid. And if you know my work, gladiators are sassy, feisty, uh, no, not now, in a minute, don't tell me what to do. You're not the boss of me. Um, they're, they can be controlling. They can be really difficult. They can also be funny and smart and sensitive and caring. Um, and and just, I don't know, uh, just sparkly personality in a lot of ways. And usually with that passion and that energy comes uh, the opposite of that or the shadow to that, which is, you know, being very controlling, really angry, um, hypersensitive, you know, really quick to react, have a different set of standards for, you know, what's okay for them versus others. And what often happens with children like this is at, you know, family events, they're difficult. They push some, another child or they grab something or they talk back or they, they're sort of, their behavior is outside of the norm to a degree. And you can see other relatives or other parents looking at each other and, you know, making comments or actually reprimanding your child. Um, This happens a lot at school you know, where you just kind of walk into the school and you can feel the gaze of the other parents. Oh, that's so-and-so's parent. And there's this sort of um, sense that other parents can be so judgy and, oh, that's, you know, so-and-so's mom. And, you know, if that was my child, I would just do this. And if it was my child, I would just make sure that never happened. And that wouldn't happen in my house. And there's a lot of sort of armchair parenting. But the truth is... Behind a child like that is a parent who is deeply worried, concerned, heartbroken, well aware often of their child's behavior, um, but often takes the stance of this is a child, and this is a child who has a lot to learn, who is struggling, who's having a hard time, whose feelings are bigger than their little bodies. Um, and it's heartbreaking to watch your child go into that situation over and over and over again and have people, um, judge and, um, you know, have the the looks on their face of, oh, there he goes again. Um, and what happens too. And if you, if you're not a parent of a child like this, this is really important because there's probably a child like this in your child's class. And it's okay to give your child the message that they can walk away, that they don't have to. Um, deal with socially aggressive behavior. It's okay to tell your, and, and you should tell your child to go and get help from the teacher and get support with this. But the other message needs to be that that other little child is a person and they're having a hard time and they're just a kid and they are having a really difficult time controlling their emotions. So really watch messages like don't play with that kid. And you know, he's terrible and he's a bad person and you're not allowed to play with him. And I don't know what's going on at his house, but you know, don't, don't go near him. Um, and this happens a lot. We can, and and we can sort of put ourselves in that place that, you know, if our child is um, on the receiving end of a child like that, it is not okay, but it is also life and it's okay to Um, speak to the school and get support and get help, but don't lose the message um, that that other person is a little kid and they've lost their way and they're having a hard time. And behind that little kid um, is usually a parent who sometimes can look very defensive because it's really hard to be in that position. Um, And they're worried about their child and they see their child as the center of that story. Um, So let's come back, let's come back to what it feels like to be Um, the parent of a child like this. And this is really difficult because you end up being that parent that literally if the phone rings and it's the school, Oh God, what now? Right. Or they come home from school and you're like, okay, what happened? And what happened today? And did everything okay? And did you make good choices? And how did you handle yourself? And what, what ends up happening is that you're interviewing your child all the time for where they made mistakes and where they went wrong, first of all. You're literally living with a pit in your stomach. If you get a phone call from, you know, your child's friend's mother, or you know, in a park, somebody comes and walks towards you, you think, go, "Oh God, what now? What did he do? What did she do?" Um, and I think it's important to just take a moment and talk about how painful that is, and how anxiety-provoking that is to constantly live in a state where you feel like your child has done something wrong and that somehow you're held accountable for that. And I can tell you after working with parents for 30 years, I mean, occasionally there's a parent who's completely blind and thinks their kid is perfect, but most of the time that's defensiveness. And under that is a parent who's tried everything, literally tried everything um, and has spent nights not being able to sleep and endless conversations with pediatricians and their spouse about what to do. And I've seen lots of families who are lovely and their other kids are lovely and it has nothing to do really with parenting. It has to do with this child who has an incredibly powerful counter will, who is um, seriously sassy and feisty where the things that work in other parenting books work beautifully on the other children and backfire spectacularly on this child. And I see the heartbreak and the pain and the tears um, that is behind, um, you know, every child who is behaving this way. So there's a few things that I can offer that can be helpful. One, if you're listening and you're not the parent of a child like this, just try to hold that in your mind. Just try to be aware that it, it, it's most likely 99%. There's a parent back there who's struggling and a soft smile and a, Hey, I know it's hard. Some kind of um, gesture can can be incredibly powerful and bring a parent of a child like this to tears, and really have that parent open up and be honest. Hey, we're really we're aware of our child's behavior. We're working on it. Let me know if things go on. You know, I, I don't want to be one of those parents that you know aren't isn't seeing what's going on. And just having that support and that camaraderie is really important. I remember Olivia was in Olivia was that kid. Um, she really was. She's 17 now and she's great. But I remember being that parent and the irony is I've written books. And I remember walking to the school and just being like, oh my God, what, what did she do now? And feeling that tremendous sense of fear and embarrassment and shame around that and crying my eyes out about you know her behavior and then having people just not see her as this lovely kid that deep down, when she wasn't reactive, when she wasn't um, having a moment where her feelings were bigger than she could manage, so caring about her grandparents and animals and um, whether things are fair and friendships and inviting kids over that nobody else would invite over. There's this beautiful side to her that nobody else would see because she just, you know, and this is when she was much younger, by the way, this is sort of grade three and under, and I remember, um, switching schools in grade three with her. And there was another little girl who was a little bit like Olivia too. They were, they were both that kids. And of course, in the beginning, they really conflicted and had a hard time. And, um, I got an email from the mom just sort of describing that Olivia had been a bit nasty to her daughter that day. And I really thought about that email and my answer back was, you know, I'm sorry that that happened. You know, we're well aware. Um, of how Olivia can present in the world sometimes, and she's got a really good heart, but she's very reactive. And you know, I'm I'm very open to um, to, to hearing if my, you know Olivia upset your daughter, and I want to work with you to make sure it goes better. And please contact us. And the the mum was just blown away, and she sent an email back saying, "I really didn't expect this, and oh my goodness, and I'm so sorry, and you know, my daughter can be like this too." And we had this beautiful conversation. It was so lovely. And those are the kinds of conversations that need to happen. And there are two ways. So if you're the parent of that child, sometimes being really defensive and and going on the defensive and getting angry and and looking intense and letting that mama bear or papa bear energy come out makes things worse. Um, I don't want you to be like, I know my kid's terrible. That's awful. You have to be the advocate for your child, but just saying, Hey, you know, my child has a lot of strengths, but these are things that we're working on. We're well aware of the behaviors. We're open to hearing what's going on and we're working on it can really um, change the dynamic with other parents drastically, actually. And then they can actually be allies. They can support you and say, Hey, don't worry. My kids like that too. Sometimes it really can change the energy. And with Olivia and her little friend, they ended up becoming best friends for years, like the best of friends, which often happens. Um, So having that um, position of of Being non-defensive can make a difference. And then for parents on the other side, just remember that's a, that's a child. That's somebody's child. And if it was your child that misbehaved, would you want other people to be judge and jury and just slam down the gavel and say, that kid's a bad kid. There's nothing good about that child and I don't want my child playing with them. Every little child, every human being deserves an opportunity to be understood and so the soft conversations that you have about your children they don't have to be friends with someone who isn't nice or who's socially aggressive you're not asking your child to put themselves in any kind of position where it's not good for them but you do want to have the conversation around empathy and what's going on for that child and maybe there's things going on at home or maybe they were they just have really big feelings um, that they haven't been able to figure out yet. And sometimes can that child be really funny and what what's, what is that child good at and where are their strengths and where does that energy come out in a different way? And that's really teaching our children um, how to understand in a holistic way what goes on behind behavior, because behavior is never the problem. It's the symptom of a problem. And just because a kid is socially aggressive and has difficulties and appears to be that kid doesn't actually mean that the parents at home are not doing anything about it. It really can mean that your child is just seriously a gladiator and just has big, enormous reactions to things. And often these children are reaction or rejection sensitive. So if you say to them, Hey, that's mine. They hear, Hey, that's mine. You idiot. Even though that's not the way you said it. And so they react in this really big way because they get super embarrassed and mortified and devastated when someone corrects them. And then there's this kind of big reaction afterwards, and that's not other children's responsibility. That's helping your child learn um, that, that intention is behind words and practice around how things sound. Um, That's a really important piece. Often, um, you know, I'm a big proponent of having your child um, work with someone. It doesn't have to be someone at connected parenting, but work with someone who can actually help them understand their feelings, understand the physiological feeling in their body that is triggered because of fear or embarrassment or anxiety, and then having tools to know what to do with that. And often our children won't listen to us. It's the same as trying to tutor your child often. They don't want to listen to what we have to say, but they would listen from, uh, someone who's a psychologist, a social worker, a coach that can really give them a series of, uh, lessons and tools in a really safe, loving space where they can learn about their body and they can learn about their emotions. Um, Having those conversations, role-playing with your gladiator child. So if they're really little, you can do it through toys, through action figures or stuffed animals. And what you do is you switch roles. So you have one of them act in a kind of aggressive, overreactive sort of way, and they're playing the other role. So their little stuffed animal is on the receiving end of that. Um, And then you can sort of ask after, like, what did that feel like? And what did your little stuffed animal feel like when they talk like that? And what do you think was really going on for the other stuffed animal who got upset just to get them to practice different perspectives and really keep this very play-based. Don't make it so obvious that you're having a teaching moment because they'll catch on and shut down. You really want to switch up the gender and switch up the scenario. If it's happening at school, then make it happen in the playground. And if it's a boy in the character make it a girl like switch it up enough so that it kind of bypasses the critical mind um but you can sort of get your child to um to experience w- what's on the other end of their behavior um i remember a, um a little guy coming into my office a few years ago and he had videotaped no he'd audio taped his dad who he had told me my dad was so mean and he was so angry with me and will you hear you know, what, how my dad sounded. And, uh, you know, he put the audio tape on and he was sitting there ready to sort of present this shocking case to me of how awful his dad sounded. And what he heard was his dad sounding pretty neutral. And he heard himself sounding completely overreactive and wild. And you could just see the color drain from this little guy's face. This was not what he had experienced. This is not at all how he understood that event. He was literally shocked, like who changed reality on me. And I was able to kind of sit there with him and say, wow, like you're having such an experience here. Cause this is not how you remembered it. It almost feels like this must be a fake or something, because this is not how you've experienced in the moment. And this child had this amazing um, kind of understanding of how his behavior is so different from how he experiences it on the inside. They often feel vulnerable. They often feel like the victim. They often feel like they're defending themselves or protecting themselves and have no idea that they're sounding so aggressive. And so, um, and so nasty in some cases, and this all has to be done in this very loving gentle way so that your children can eventually, um, fine tune their behavior and make these little adjustments and, and teaching them tools around walking away and taking a breath first and look away, walk away is something that I teach um, kids so that they can actually take a moment and change their behavior. But the real shout out here is to the moms and the dads behind these kids. Um, And these are the parents I talk to all the time who are literally in tears. They watch their child, walk away from the car in the morning with their little backpack on and they just cry because they're like, okay, what, what is going to happen today? And they, you know, they sometimes in some cases can see kids not running up and saying hi to them and it's heartbreaking, you know, and even if there's, there's some explanation for why they're socially aggressive or outwardly intense behavior turns other children off, it's still incredibly heartbreaking to know that that's their child's experience every single day. So the takeaway here is twofold. One, if you have a child like this in your class, reach out with some kindness, a smile, a knowing glance, some kind of support to that parent. You can change that parent's day. You can change that parent's year. Um, And watch the conversations that you have with your child around kids that have issues. You know, often it is... um, you know, ADHD or, you know, extreme, uh, sensitivity. So the child is a highly sensitive person. Um, sometimes there is stuff going on at home, you know, difficult things that are going on at home and the child just cannot contain all that. They're little, they don't have a fully formed frontal lobe that it it is just too much for them to regulate, reach out to the teacher and say, how can we help this child? My kid's coming home and explaining about so-and-so, and I have a problem with it. And you can certainly advocate for your child, but what can we do? How can we help that child, so that they feel better and don't feel like they have to behave that way? Can we do something about the pain that that child's in? Talk about that in front of your child so they see that. Um, and then, if you are the parent of a child like this, um, know that the most difficult years are the younger years, that it definitely smooths out in 30 years of doing this. I really do find that the most behavioral kids, and everyone says, oh my God, watch them when they're a teenager, but often the most difficult years are prior to the age of 10. And actually when they're teenagers, they're not that bad because the frontal lobe comes on and all of the stuff that you've been doing that you don't see the evidence of it working when they're little starts to really um, come together um, in the teenage years, certainly. And and I definitely find that there's a shift after 10. Um, There's just some shift in the brain where you just see them being able to regulate themselves a little bit better. Um, don't be afraid to get support and get help for your child and for you, um, and not just to connect to parenting. There's, there's all kinds of services in, in your community. Um, it's you know That's one of the reasons we have the parenting course is it really is for parents of gladiator kids who've been there. Um, it's an incredibly supportive community as well on Facebook and um, in the coaching calls. We also have the role-playing playground, which is a great place for you to practice how to mirror and know that with your child that's one of one of those kids, um, connecting before correcting is absolutely critical. You don't want to expect the school to do it or other kids to do it. That's not realistic. But if you do that more and more at home, they'll sort of be built up from the inside out and be less raw when they go to school. Um, you know, once you build up relationships with other parents, having children over at your house and then making sure it's short and sweet, an hour and a half, something to do, very structured. Um, everybody leaves happy so that the more play dates that actually go well, it allows your child to have more confidence. It allows the other children to actually see your child in a different light. Um, don't be afraid to ask the school for support and help. There are ways that the teacher can partner them up with different kids, you know, put them in a role where they're actually helping, where they have a job to do, where they can show off their, um, their, uh, more positive attributes. And that can really help. Um, they need lots of love, lots of understanding when the rest of the world is going to look at them and be like, Oh no, that's so-and-so is coming. Um, more than ever, you have to be their champion and not in a way that makes them feel like their behavior is okay, but that separates their behavior from who they are inside that the, the mirroring and the calm technique and the connecting before correcting and the baby play is all what is giving them that internal sense, um, of feeling lovable and feeling loved, so that they have a little bit more emotional. Well, they have more emotional shock absorbers. So when they go to school, sorry, <laughs> crashing in the background. Um, when they go to school, they actually don't feel as raw, and some of their more positive attributes can can come out. So just just a shout out to the parents of of those kids, and just kind of giving everyone just widening the lens on that situation. It is so easy to just pigeonhole a kid and say, that's a bad kid. And they must have parents who don't set limits at home. And it's just often, I can tell you, it is a much bigger picture. And coming from a place of love, even in this situation, in fact, especially in this situation, can also teach um, your child uh, more about their own self-worth and forgiveness. Um, And if your kid is not one of these kids, then it teaches them compassion and it teaches them to widen that lens. And that's a, that's a really important thing for everyone. So thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time.